Leader Talks NI. Insights from Northern Ireland business leaders. Brought to you by Corvus People. I think that was the first time I was given the responsibility of run a PL, run a business, run actually run a business. We, we've been through the recession in 2007, so it was very difficult to get funding. So everything we did for 10 years was self funded. Honestly, in, for a big practice, like we were in a process with them in about six weeks. They, they wanted to move quick. We took an early decision, um, which, which may or may not have backfired, but we took an early decision to tell the staff. It's a work in progress, to be fair. Um, you know, hybrid working is a challenge. We've got to figure out a way that makes it easy for our staff to work and easy for our staff to feel that they're part of the culture of Pinnacle and what we're trying to achieve. I'm here today with Jeremy Biggerstaff. My name is Michelle Cairns and I'm one of the directors with Corvus People. Jeremy, tell me about you. Tell me about your role. Tell me Pinnacle. Yeah, I'm Jeremy Biggerstaff. I was appointed in July this year as Managing Director of Pinnacle. Pinnacle are a business solutions provider in the UK and Ireland. They largely sell two products, the Sage product range and the Acumatica product, product range in what would be traditionally called the ERP markets. So where were you before Flint's? I'm trying to remember because it was, you were in, I think you had, you were in between jobs somewhere along the line because I do. Well, that's I, probably why I was speaking to you. Yeah. Um, so I was in, that was probably, I left KPMG, wanted to leave KPMG because yeah. it was sort of a consultant, IT consultant at 20 or like it didn't make yep. any sense. IT consultant that I'm sure what I was doing. Um, although I loved it in there, it was great fun, like it was a great place to work. But then um, I then went looking for a job, went looking for, and uh, I went to work for a small software business, mm-hmm. Eurosoft. Don't remember guy. them at all. They, they were they owned a big um, a big platform that they sold to for tickets and. Uh, I did okay in there, you know, and that was kind of my first forte. I was a consultant and I decided to go into business development. And that was my first forte in the business development and I did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was headhunted. I, I put a system in for a recruitment business. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recruitment business um, owner guy phoned me after I put it in. <laughs> Are you looking for a job? And he put me into a, a couple of opportunities. And that was when I first made the choice about was I committed to business development or was I going to go back? I had technical roots. I was yeah. a technical person. Always was a technical person. And then I became more business, BD. Dev- business development. You know, so. But it was really interesting time because that's where I first met Pinnacle. And Pinnacle were a year in business or less. And it was a bit of a risk yeah. to go and work for somebody who had, you know, it was a business came out of a business type thing in terms of financial challenges. Um, but I went and met the MD as he was there and then just him and I hit it off. And I've known him. Ever since. <laughs> Ever since, you know. So, and I worked for them for three, but the first six months was, didn't sell a thing. Couldn't sell anything, couldn't get deals across the line, couldn't get... And you have that crisis of conscience where you go, hold on a minute. Should I be a technical I should go instead back of and sales? Um, <laughs> and there was a there was a guy in there who I was close to, 
very senior guy, one of the owners at that stage, and he said, if the sales bit business development doesn't work out, you can come and work with me in technical, because he, you know, he just knew I could do the technical stuff. And that kind of gave me the confidence. To be able to then... You know, and I, I th- for me, that was the big thing about your career. The people who helped you along the way, who saw your ability and just believed in you. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to do that these days. You know, some people just don't seem to see that. So I then had a brilliant year. Loads of dates, loads of stuff came through. It was great. Um, having had a crisis of conscience, I suppose, in the early days. And I had three great years with them. The year 2000 problem then appeared and everybody was panicking about, about that. IT, what it meant, what would happen, which was kind of interesting. Um, but I was then headhunted again and approached to go to work for a telecoms business, uh, which had got big funding, big money, big opportunity in Belfast. They were part of Ferretian Energies. But that, that again, um, that, that was, uh, I went into there and I, I had... Um, uh, uh, our leader, our chief executive, was probably one of the best chief executives. She was, she was just outstanding, really tough, really hard to work with, really hard, but really good. She taught you everything that you knew, and she loved you to come and ask her, "How does this work?" Yeah, you know, I don't understand why we're doing this. Doesn't make sense. She was great. She was really great. Um, sadly, she's passed away. Um, but she uh, she would have been like probably another inspiration because I just relate. My whole thing's always been about who you relate to. You know, I think lots of young ones worry about their career and what it looks like. and But actually, it's the people that really makes a difference. Well, know? that's actually a good question. So for you, from a career standpoint, who's made the biggest difference to you? All, all the people on the way through. That guy who believed in me when I was struggling the MD of Pinnacle as he was then, who, you know, really got on with. Um, the leader in Nevada, who, you know, taught me and you like he changed roles, he changed responsibility. You move into telecoms. I had done nothing in telecoms before. So having her telling you what to do, how it works and how because for me, technical background, consultative led, I can't do it unless I understand it. You know, so yeah. she was great. Um and then you know, from there I've gone more into, I went, obviously ended up then in a more corporate role in UTV, um, which was, you know, eight fabulous years of just huge learning, huge experience, exposure to, you know, PLC type environment where there's a lot more, you know, compliance and things. Governments. And governments, and all, all, all the stuff you've got to worry about. Um, yet we had the freedom, you know, I think that was the first time I was given the responsibility to run a PL, run a business, run actually run the business. And um it wasn't sink or swim, but it was certainly you have to understand the finances, understand the sales, understand, you know, that was my first opportunity to do something as actually being the person running the business. And more importantly, you get into strategy. You get into, you know, the first exposure to strategy. And that's where my IOD first relationship started because they had a finance for non-financial people course, which exposed me to the challenges of how to run a successful business, not just a business that you feel like you're enjoying and 
have a good time at instead of actually making money, which is really the purpose of the whole thing. <laughs> what was the last sort of 15 years with Flint? I I left UTV um, and went out and did independent consultancy, just yeah. help with fundraising and all sorts of, got involved in a wee bit of merger and acquisition activity because I'd you know, been involved in that UTV. I was basically in the year after they were founded. Right. And they were in this building that we're in <coughs> when I joined them. I went in with a invest and I um a grant scheme as a you know a mentor and a for them. You know, for them, uh, interim manager I think is what they called it. And I got an opportunity work to work with them for six months. But I knew one of the individuals from Nevada on the software development side, a guy called Mark, and then I got to know my fellow colleagues, Pete and Bill and Cormac, and I joined them basically another six months later and uh, joined them as an equal shareholder and then spent 10 very happy years with them, growing it from, you know, I think I was employee number seven and we were about 35 whenever we did the transaction with Pagan. And why were they the right company to join? Why were they the one that you wanted to invest in? Again, it was about the people. So um, I think I think I saw the opportunity. They were a designer and three developers. So there was a natural gap for commercial and a natural gap for somebody to help take that business forward. They were all very passionate and enthusiastic about what they did. And their customers, despite the fact there was a relatively small number at that stage, were all very positive about them. They all really liked them all. <laughs> and I suppose in a big organisation, sometimes it takes time to get things done. And for me, coming out of the corporate world, it was very refreshing to ask a question or ask, and it was done, or you were able to do it. Yeah. Um, the immediacy of it was you know, very different. And I think for me personally, I was ready for running my own business and being participating in my own business instead of <laughs> doing it for somebody else or in, in the case of UTV, doing it for the shareholders. And what did you learn in that period? What was the biggest learning? I think I learned an awful lot about myself. Um, you know, when you've come from a corporate background, you have a way that you you do things. Operate, and yeah. And the way you you know, challenge people and work. And that doesn't work when you're doing your own business. It just doesn't fit. So you've got to be very careful about how you, I couldn't tell you in the first 12, 18 months, how many people I would say felt almost intimidated by this corporate person. And that's not me. And I couldn't understand it. I just couldn't. And I think it's about how people perceive you. That was a challenge. And I learned how to change that. So as people knew, we cared about their business. We cared about what they were doing. Yeah. We really cared about how to make a difference. And um, that's probably the biggest lesson I learned. I obviously <clears throat> learned an awful lot about cash flow and about balancing the books and um, making sure everybody's paid, being very careful about how, how and when you, you know, in those days, um, we, we've been through the recession in 2007, so it was very difficult to get funding. So everything we did for 10 years was self-funded, everything. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, so 
to get it, you know, from where it was to where we got it to, was largely down to hard work, but also being, you know, we had a concept where if it got big enough and we were all getting so busy, we knew we needed another person. And obviously adding one person to our design team when we'd only do was difficult, but adding a person to the development team of 12 was a wee bit easier once you got to that size. So I suppose it was just experience and learning and understanding how you could afford to pay the bills and not be worried about um, not winning the work or getting new work or new projects. And it's, yeah, we were talking about it before we sort of started the podcast, but then you were approached in terms of acquisition. <coughs> yeah, so, so, so we, we had always worked, um, because of my links to the IOD and, the char- and, and we had an independent chairman, I should say, who's a very strong individual, very good individual for us. Um, and we always ran to a three-year cycle. So first year I went in, developed a plan, worked to three years, developed a new plan, worked to three. So we had just finished our latest cycle of developing our new plan. We had accumulated some extra cash, uh, but our plan was very much to invest that either in a product acquisition or product development. And I don't mean big, small product, you know, in terms of complementary products that helped our customers or, or helped us. Um, and at that stage, one of our competitors, bigger competitor who did more sort of slightly different work to us, was acquired. Acquired by a big consultancy practice. The big consultancy practice wanted resource, wanted developers, wanted people. So um, I got approached by a person I knew in another, one of the larger ones on the consultancy side, and they asked why were they acquired, what's happening, what's... And it was obvious they also needed resource and people. And we didn't go looking, you know, it's a wee bit like career, you know, or job hunting. We were approached um, and, and honestly, in, for a big practice, like we were in a process with them in about six weeks. Which is fast. Oh, they, they wanted to move quick. And we want to, you know, because it's such a, Northern Ireland, like it's such a difficult... It's such a, yeah, it's a village. <laughs> yeah, so um, actually um, at the same time, I had been reviewing our strategy and plan and I'd always wanted to have a, to go back and revisit our, you know, with Pinnacle because Pinnacle have 2,000 customers and I felt if we want to productize, <laughs> do some product development work, what, what would their customers be looking for? So I'd gone back to speak to my old friend and colleague Ken uh, about you know what the opportunities were with him. And just interestingly, he, he you know, there was a discussion about that would be a good opportunity. And I'd always said that Flint would be a very complimentary add-on for development to Pinnacle. It was just an opportunistic one-off thing and we suddenly found ourselves in a process. And did you sort of, like, did you struggle with them? Because you'd had a successful business, you could see where the next three years were going. Yes and no. Um, I think I think the problem was there was an element of Flint had run its course because we were at a natural break point. Yeah. We could make a decision about where are we going to invest the money and do something which really we were all hopefully committed to or suddenly there was another option that we could actually do, you know, and, and 
Look, it wasn't it wasn't a life changing event. We we we're all working. We're not we didn't get the you know big amount of money or anything. Um, but I'm just saying it was a the timing was right in terms of where we were in our cycle. But I don't think it was right in terms of me planning for somebody who wants to run a structured three year program. Do yeah. My guess, best guess was the next three years we would have been ready. Was what. It was right. We'll exit at this point, not at this point. Yeah. So um, that's probably timing was good for the business because it suited before we executed anything else. Because obviously you start making investments and therefore your performance, you know. And we definitely had a, a really great year in twenty twenty one on the back of the bounce back from COVID. But in twenty twenty two, when that started, for us at a at a motivational or a thought process no <laughs> what, 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 what we're thinking of selling it what, what, yeah. what, what, where did that come from and actually it was our chairman who guided us to some extent to have a think about you know what is it we wanted where did we want to get to what was what was our opportunity so um and it felt our decision at a board level was let's go and have a conversation and see what it means but we were we, we were blessed with the choice not having to do it. We weren't in a difficult situation, we were in a good situation. So you weren't going, we've got to sell this business, otherwise we're going to lose the business. So it always felt like a choice. Choice. Which yeah. makes a big difference. 100%. And whenever you sort of were acquired by Pinnacle and you integrated into the business, what was the biggest learning during that 12 months? Yeah, to be fair, I think... I think me personally, I had a good understanding about Pinnacle yeah. from working there, um, and their scale was huge. That they, they changed from, I think when I left at thirty five people, you know, this is twenty odd years ago, they were now at a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy people. We were adding in thirty four, thirty five people into that mix. We didn't have to figure out where people went because it's complementary, not as well as. So there was no integration challenge, you know, the horrible thing of, do we really need five people to do four jobs? And all yeah. that, none of that existed, which was great. Um, I'm sure we took an early decision, um, which, which may or may not backfired, but we took an early decision to tell the staff as we got close to, you know, before we did it, because we needed them to be part of it and we wanted them to be part of it. And we also wanted to reassure them that there was no five into four type stuff going on. Yeah. So I think at an integration level, that was the easy bit because it was complimentary. The harder bit is people because suddenly you need 170 name badges <laughs> and it's very difficult to know what people do and what they don't do. And you find yourself across the, in, the whole of the UK and Ireland. So you can't, go in their meeting room and meet them all. You can't talk to them face to face. There's no, it's not like walking into a big open plan office and going, hi, we're Flint, we've arrived. Um, and that's been really probably the hardest thing because we've had our Christmas, Belfast Christmas dinner and most of the Flint staff are in Belfast and, and the finance team are largely in Belfast Long uh, Marketing. And it's usually interesting to see them, even now, interacting because, you know, it's taken that time do a face-to-face -face, and yet we've done barbecue we've done multiple events um with a fabulous event shortly after we were acquired in june uh this year where we went to portugal 
for the 30th celebration of the business. Um, very generous um, thing done by the shareholders, really fabulous for the business. And it was great because you had, you know, I think 170 people or something of the 190 who went. So everybody got a chance to really get to know each other. So the people is definitely, you know, I think if you go 30 to 30, 30 to 60, you know, type integration, it's slightly different. But when you go to a 200 person organization, it's very different. And how do you shape the culture of that kind of business that's very hybrid, very spread? How do you shape them? It's a work in progress, to be fair. Um, you know, hybrid working is a challenge um, because you're trying to get the the culture through online meetings and through it's much easier to do that and explain to people face to face what you're trying to achieve i think i was blessed because i knew the culture of the, their business and i have to say i felt their culture was very similar to flint's you know similarities in terms of how they looked after their people how they worked you know religiously to sort out customer problems everything had the same emphasis so I think we found that bit okay that bit did prove to be true because obviously I remember it from 20 years ago and now it's suddenly moved to this huge organization in comparison but it actually still fitted because they still worked the way I expected them to and I think probably maybe we'll ask some staff if they agree you know the Flint staff in particular um, but for me the biggest challenge we face as a business is probably how we handle hybrid working over the next two to three years. COVID's had its thing. We've had bounce back. We can see productivity becomes more and more challenging as life gets in the way. We've got to figure out a way that makes it easy for our staff to work and easy for our staff to feel that they're part of the culture of Pinnacle and what we're trying to achieve. And they need I need, they need, everybody I think needs to still meet face to face. You can't, you can't avoid it. If nothing else for well-being, mental health, all those things, but fundamentally where humans need to interact and it can't be over a machine all the time. So I think how we fix that. We've done a thing, we, we've developed a concept uh, and we've we actually appointed a head of people and culture in our business. And she's done a fabulous thing by introducing what we call office champs. So it's somebody in each of our locations who encourages people to come into the office, encourages them to participate in some of the social things, encourages them to participate in some of the events. And that helps us bring together the thought process. And um, we're moving towards employee surveys, we're moving towards engagement and those things. That'll take time, but that's the direction of travel. And for you coming from Blinks, coming into the organisation in Pinnacle and being um, made an MD, as you say, six months ago. For you, what is the biggest challenge over the next three years within the organisation? What is that strategic plan, that vision that you have for the company? So we, we the, you know, the, the leadership of the business have been working on a, on a, a sort of three to five year plan. Um, three year plan, more deliberately understood detail, full understanding, and then an extended two years of if things continue, how we expect that to pan out. So 
joined up thinking across the organization is probably the most difficult. How you get the teams to interact. We've moved to a divisional breakdown and already you can see some challenges between the divisions and we need to keep hard, keep working hard at that to keep people interacting and keep the, because we might think we're a relatively big organization, but we're not really, you know, we're still only 200 people and it's just a case of making sure everybody understands their roles and responsibilities, but it doesn't stop there. You know, people think I've done my job, I'm finished. You know, if I can help somebody, if you can help somebody do their job and be accountable, accountability doesn't stop with your role. Accountability means you, you're accountable to the organisation. So if you have to go the extra mile, do the extra bit to help your colleague out, who you can see is struggling with workload or maybe having a challenge with a particularly difficult problem with a customer, we are delivering complex software. So we do have complex problems. And I think... I want to be in an organization where everybody helps each other and everybody is open to that. And it's not, you know, the traditional, oh, I do my bit and then I'm finished. You know, you've got to work together. You've got to collaborate. You've got to be aware. And I think hybrid doesn't lend itself to being aware when somebody's struggling, particularly in the development world. In the development world, those, you know, a lot of those people work to a specific set of tasks, stuff to be done. And when they're sitting beside you, you can see when they're frustrated, you can see when they're challenged, you can see when they're having a problem. But when they're at their home, they're not on Teams or Outlook or Google call, they're sitting working away. You can't you can't see it. It's not the mo- you can't physically see. And I think how we fix that or deal with that gives us a better chance. Because you always know somebody might sit in two days trying to solve a problem. And the person next to them in the old model would have gone, let me have a look. Oh, look, you haven't done this or that's not right. Or, you know, and that's making it a wee bit simpler than it is. But for me, it's very important that you help each other. You know, if, if, if anybody phones me and says, would you speak to this customer? Would you do happily? You know, because it's for the good of the organisation. So going through an acquisition, what was the biggest learning from you for you that you just did not have a clue about until you'd gone through it with Flint? So um, I'd obviously done, you know, I don't know, uh, half a dozen acquisitions where I was acquiring. I was on the buy side. Um, and you're always then position. It, it's almost like a large business transaction. You're trying to figure out what you need to do to win and get the business or bring the people on side. So all of that was kind of, understood i think it's hard to describe but when you have four owners who do think differently you've a commercial guy you've a creative guy and you've two development people it's very difficult to get them to align and think the same way about a trans about selling a business and you've got to deal with regret potentially of selling it you've got to deal with pricing you know what's it worth you've also got to deal with for me personally i struggled with the whole concept of losing the the chance to develop product we built our whole strategy for the last 10 years to ultimately get into product development and we weren't going to do this um and i know one of my fellow directors probably felt the same way whereas we developed loads of product for customers and perhaps the other two thought, 
I'm not fussed about developing product. Um, I think the thing that came out the most was though, when you run your own business, there's a level of risk and uncertainty. And I think, um, you know, they all, the conversation moved from just about the business, just to, to actually, well, what's the risks of not doing this? What, what do we think we can do better than that? Do we think we could do worse than this? Um, just a lot of, you know, emotional, you know, you've put 10 years of your life into something, you know, and it's not, you've put 10 years into a job. There's definitely a difference between your own company and a job. You'd like to think there is too. Uh, so that was another emotion that you had to be aware of and think through. But I would encourage anybody out there, if they're thinking about their business and selling or doing anything, it's also incredibly important to have an independent voice. And by having an independent chairman, again, it's an IOD concept. It's not, Jeremy's not smart about this. IOD encourages any size of business to have an independent chairman if possible or an independent advisor if possible. And by having somebody there who could call me out, call somebody else out, make sure that was invaluable to the process because that helped us steer the ultimate decision which we now, I think, largely feel is the right one. And what kind of drives you? Because you've, you know, you've been successful, you've been a owner of a business, you've sold a business, and actually you're way, you know, you're you're not done at all. Now you're the MD of, of the acquiring business. Where does that come from? I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it's just in your DNA. I think it's just who you are. Um, like I, I, I don't have the money to be retired or be independent. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a choice that I have. Obviously, um, I think the opportunity with Pinnacle is so significant. And I think I'm not driven by money and lifestyle and job roles and job time. All that stuff, really, on the, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the challenge of what I do don't always enjoy some of the issues that you face in terms of not being able to find a solution. But fundamentally at my heart, I'm a problem solver and I get a real kick out of helping somebody solve a problem. It's just in my system, you know. Um, I think also to be given, to be given the privilege of leading an organization of that size and having understood its background, understood the Flint background, understood where I see them fit and gel together, I think it's an opportunity I can't miss. I can't, I can't lose feel. You know, my wife has said, it, it almost feels like your destiny. You know, it almost feels like, and, and she's maybe right, but actually for me, it's about, I want to make it work. I want to I get it to where um, it's what's achievable. There'll be, huge challenges along the way, but I really hope that the majority of the people in our business buy into what we're trying to do. And fundamentally, the motiv motivation and running of the business. Thank you for listening Jeremy, to Radio really Talks NI. Don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date with our latest You're very episodes. welcome. Corvus People. Recruit, develop, retain.